into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, who've now made it a three-horse race for the title in Scotland, with Hibernian and Aberdeen locked on the same points at the top of the Scottish Premiership. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson, who I'm sure will be very excited about the the three big guns in Scottish football gunning for mm. that title. We're going to win the league, we're going to win the league, and now you're going to believe us, and now you're going to believe us. We're going to win the league. haven't seen much from... Uh, from Rangers so far. Um, Celtic, apart from the Dundee game, haven't seen much. So, to be honest, there's there's nothing really stopping us now because direct <laughs> entry into the Champions League next season, there's no way of being knocked out in the qualifiers if you get direct entry into the Champions League. So, it has to be some team. So, why shouldn't it be us? <laughs> yeah, not seen much from Celtic apart from scoring six goals at the weekend against Dundee. But, um, let's hope we've not poked the beast too much with um well let's just enjoy it i mean god we yes, started this yes. podcast we were five six points clear at the top of the league from celtic and that went it went tits up ever since then i am sitting in a hotel room in somewhere in iowa with an apple pie hot dog in front of me if there's one thing that screams america then it's an apple pie it's basically a hot dog inside an apple pie who the hell thinks of these things? This country's awful. something else. It does sound awful. You want me to try a bit? Tell you what it's like. Yeah. Oh. Why have you got a, an apple pie hot dog exactly? Well, actually, I know what it tastes like because our show on BT Sport, a baseball show, Caps Off, is coming live from I don't the Field u- of Dreams. I don't usually like you throwing in glorified rounders references, but on this occasion, I'll allow it. Yeah, because, I mean, it's a movie. Kevin Costner, brilliant, Academy Award nominated, 1990. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. Um, So we've been there over the last couple of days, going to the game tomorrow, and we're filming there or thereabouts around the place. And part of our show, thank you for watching, clearly not a regular viewer. If you were, you would know that we have a thing called, I'm a regular presenter, I don't even know what it's called, Step Up to the Dish or Step Up to the Plate. It's one of them. And we do a food piece most weeks. So this week is the delicacy that is being offered at the ballpark for all spectators, of which the average retail or sorry resale ticket price right now is three and a half thousand pounds. Um, the food item this week is an apple pie hot dog. So we we did a, a segment, and I, I had one to bring home. The guy was like, "You didn't uh, scars around the funnel today." This is what they were saying. It. At, uh, in Iowa and I said yeah I am he goes well take that and you can you can taste it live on air there you go so we can do that are you going to taste it right now oh you sp- you speak because I can't talk with my mouth well. my mother told me that's rude so talk okay. I'm going to eat it right I'll, I'll let Mark eat some apple pie hot dog I wonder what sort right. of, I wonder what a sort of combination you could get with a, 
a kind of Scottish feel to it, a Scottish game? That's a really good question. Let's have you've got to have sweet and savoury, right? So they've got. Oh, it's got to be sweet. Oh God. Well, like a Mars mm, bar pie or something. I mean. Well, we've already got. You know, it actually tastes all right, but they serve it with um, apple pie flavored mustard. This is, I mean, this country just apple what it wants. Pie. Fl- How is it even mustard then? I have no idea. I don't know. It all kind of God, works. Americans, but... honestly. Uh, well, exactly. So, what could we do? I if mean, they're, ideally, if they're not I... suing people so they can take guns to the fun fair, yeah, then, right. Um, they're oh my God. creating apple pie hot dogs. So, let's go up with a delicacy. Get back home. Get back here. Yeah. What could we? What could we sell? Let's come up with a couple of kind of. Is there any food items from the past synonymous with either hearts? And I'm not talking about chucking pies on for a poor performance. Um, or is there anything, any food synonymous with um, Scottish football that we could combine? And you would think, no, you can't combine that. If you can combine apple pie and hot dog, you can combine anything. So what could we come up with? I mean, it's hard to find too many that are sort of synonymous with Scottish football. I mean, beyond like a pie and a bovril, but that's obviously a bit too simple. You need... um, What about pie and a bovril flavoured crisps? Yeah. We've had haggis flavoured. Highlander used to do haggis I thought you said it had to be a combination of sweet and savoury. No, I'm, but there wasn't much. So no, there wasn't much. <laughs> I, 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 that didn't last long. A combo of something. So how about how about pie and bovril flavored crisps? Yeah, that would work, wouldn't it? I mean, it would work. I like a pie. I like a bovril. I like crisps. Here's, Takes I'm, lots I know of we've off, Exactly. I know we've started off on a tangent, but this is, we always try and keep the tangents hearts related. Am I right in saying that maybe at the start of the nineties, Highlander crisps did club crisps so there were hearts crisps oh um i'm uh, trying to think it rings a bell i don't know if it was a highlander i'm sure i'm sure hearts in the past have had hearts crisps if anybody can shed some light am i talking nonsense i'm I'm sure you know when there's something hidden way deep in your mind and it suddenly comes to the surface and you have to vent i think hearts have had hearts crisps even we can go that further, made by Highlander. Let us um, know. You, you, you might be correct. I, I don't remember it myself. I have to confess. Yeah, but you're but, young. You're young. Um, well, I'm younger than you, but yeah, it's... Um, oh, I've been crisps. Maybe they didn't. I don't know what made me think that, but I just have this vision of a, pa- a packet of crisps with a Hearts logo on it. Did you see Walker's had like a... Um, goat's cheese with messy on the front thing they brought out. They did. Hmm. So we could we could make them. We could make them Jamie Walker's crisps. Pie and bovril flavor. There we go. Oh. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Give, yeah, give us some ideas if you hadn't. You used to get some lovely pies in the um, press and corporate area at Tin Castle. Oh, the small, the small pies in the the, the media. Oh, they made amazing. some. Well, after after your time, there was a company called Pie Knot who were actually based in Musselburgh at the time. They're not anymore. They're based in town, and they um, I actually bought some stuff from them recently. You can still order from their website. They do like um, um, they do like haggis um, haggis and neat pies. They do like your traditional steak and ale. Um, I think they have like a black pudding and chorizo pie. But they used to do all the different flavours 
I used to get them in the press area as well as the hospitality. They were really nice. Um, anyway, um, we've gone on a, a food tangent, which is which yeah. is always good. Um, we will be talking about football as well. Don't worry, we'll, we'll be talking about yet another Hearts victory after they emerged from Paisley victorious for the first time in nine years. Um, we'll look ahead to travelling to Celtic Park on Sunday, which, regardless of circumstances, is always a slightly daunting, um, daunting experience. But hopefully... We can we can look at it from a positive angle. There's going to be fans returning to Tyne Castle, so lots of things to look forward to and chat about on this week's episode. Okay, first up, St Mirren against Heart of Midlothian Hearts with a 100% start to their season in the League Cup and then their opening league game of the season against Celtic. It went to a game in Paisley looking for their first win there competitively since 2012 and a first league win there since 2010. Before we get stuck into that, let's have a quick listen back to the talking points from the weekend's game. Boyce, right on the edge of the area, looks to take on Richard Tate. Boyce goes on the outside, checks it back, shot by Halliday and it's into the back of the net! What a fine finish by Andy Halliday for his first league goal of the season! Good play by Boyce, cut it back, and Halliday caught that really sweetly, and it flies past Jack Anik into the right side of the goal. It's Andy Halliday's fifth goal for Hearts, and it's St Mirren nil, Hart to Midlothian one. Michael Smith with the throw inside the Saints half, goes down looking for Nongdwee in the area now. Ends up sitting on the turf as he lost his footing, but Hart's still in possession. Boyce, edge of the box. Onto his right foot, looking to strike it towards goal. That's a lovely finish from Liam Boyce. Oh, that's fantastic from the Northern Irish International with 17 minutes to go. Dropping into more of a number 10 role. He picked it up at the edge of the box. And that's a fine goal for his fourth of the season. Driving it low into the bottom left corner. And Hearts double their advantage against the run of play. But we don't care here on Hearts TV. McGrath as well. Tanzer. Curled in from the left-hand side. Another good ball headed into the back of the net. And Joe Shocknessy has a goal back for St Mirren with five and a half minutes left. Lovely ball into the area. And it's the captain, Joe Shocknessy, who nods it past Craig Gordon, who had no chance with that one. And it's game on at St Mirren Park. St Mirren 1, Hearts 2. So, that was Hearts' first win in Paisley since 2012 competitively. But it was also... This is when it gets ridiculous. Their first top flight win outside of Edinburgh since March 2019. Brought that up we, last week, didn't we? Ooh. We we spoke about it last week, but I have to mention it again because it's it just seems crazy. Two and a half years since we won a top flight game outside of Edinburgh. Of course, we've won a top flight game away from home since then, but that was at our neighbours who were always quite generous with giving us victories at their home. But yeah, first win outside of Edinburgh in the top flight since March 2019. Um, and a big win, but before we get into that, uh, team news first off beforehand. We got the news just a little bit before, about an hour and a half before kickoff, that Stephen Kingsley was going to miss out. He was unwell, had some kind of stomach issue apparently, and Peter Haring would come in to replace him. So straight away there was... A bit of debate, um, 
Rob Borthwick and I were covering the game for Hearts TV. We were in the studio, we were trying to figure out the team. A lot of people thought, first of all, that Haring would be put into the centre of defence, so like for like effectively, albeit Haring has been in midfield more often than not, so a back three with Suter and Halkett. However, when we mulled it over, because no one had a definite, even those at the ground we were speaking to, it seemed the obvious decision for Robbie to use Alex Cochran at centre-back, which he has done in the build-up to the league season in the Betfred Cup, eh, Premier Sports Cup, and then the Sunderland friendly, put Halliday to left wing-back, which he has also used fairly regularly, played that role at the end of last season, put Haring into midfield, where we know he's most effective, and reshuffle the pack that way. So a 3-4-3, because it allows Hearts to maintain that 3-4-3 formation that Robbie certainly favours just now. Gordon and goals. Suter, Halkett, Cochrane back three. Smith right, Halliday left. Haring and Beningame in the middle. And Ginelli, Gary Mackay, Stephen flanking Liam Boyce. And that was the way of it in terms of the team. So clearly, Mark, Robbie is going to do his best to try and, I think, maintain the system, even if it means reshuffling more than one position rather than putting maybe Haring in the centre of defence where he's not at his best. We saw the change of shape against Inverness in the final uh, League Cup game and it was kind of why is is that happening? It makes sense, especially if you've got someone who can play in two positions. I think that's why Cochran was was maybe signed ideally to play as a left wing back but if needs must then move into the centre-back area and that's what he did. Halliday's decent, um, a, a, a left wing back. It's, it, whether it's an upgrade, a downgrade, well, it's not an upgrade, um, but he's, he can fill in. It's not his, his ideal position, but it did allow him to get to get forward from from a wide area, and it, he scored a good goal as well. Um, it was good to see Haring back in the in the lineup, and when Kingsley returns, then what happens? I mean, is it? Well, he'll play alongside Halkett and and Suter, yeah. and Cochrane will go to left wing back. So we're three into two here, and that doesn't really go. So, yeah. so who who misses out? Is it Haring again? I, I have to say, I'm not convinced by Cochrane as a as a central defender. I think we... no, he's not. But no, it was it was break glass in case of emergency. So we're moving Cochrane back to left wing back. We're putting Kingsley as a left centre back. So who's missing out in the midfield? It's a tricky one. I, I think it's it is a very difficult one. I I, w- I wouldn't even be all that surprised if on Sunday. Well, I mean, we'll get to Sunday later on, but I wouldn't even be all that surprised if Kingsley was back and fully fit to, to even potentially see Cochrane miss out and Kingsley goes back into the um, centre of defence and Halliday keeps his place. But um, but obviously, be interesting to see how that works out. I, I mean, look at the opposition, St Mirren. Obviously, they did finish bottom six last season, but they very nearly finished top six. And you, you actually look at their team. They've got a lot of experience in that side. You know, this is a yeah, team which you, you would expect to, again, push for that top six. You know, you've got Joe Shaughnessy, the captain in defence. Loads of experience with, like, St. Johnston and Aberdeen before that. Um, Dunn, who I thought was a decent player for Motherwell, had some injury trouble last season. Um, Alan Power, Richard Tate, Greg Kilty, and then even up front, you know, Eamon Brophy and Curtis Main, although the latter didn't really manage to perform at Aberdeen, you know, both got three goals each against Hearts previously for for, for Killy and Motherwell, respectively. 
dangerous strikers at that level. And then you've got McGrath, who's a very talented player who's been tracked by, apparently, both English Premier League and English Championship teams. So there's a lot of actually mm-hmm. decent players in that St Mirren side. So it's one of these games where I looked at their team and I was like, you know, this isn't a game where Hearts back up, go to Paisley and blow them away. This is going to be a game we're going to have to manage it well. Um, but we started really strongly. The first 20 minutes of the game, we were superb. We, we absolutely dominated possession and um, and deservedly led through a really fine holiday strike. And I think one of the interesting things, again, you know, if you've listened to us before, we're not going to break this game down into huge detail. But one of the interesting things I th- about Hearts just now, I think, is our game management so far this season. Because we did really dominate at the start of the game, but we didn't try to do that for the whole match. And St Mirren obviously forced their hand a little bit. They started to go very direct, pushed us back. But we seem quite comfortable with the change in approach. Both, right, we're dominating possession, we're pushing Smith and on this occasion Halliday forward. They're basically wingers. We're overloading them in their half, dominating possession, getting into good areas. It led to the goal. Then when the complexion of the game changes a little bit, when we had to step back, and I think largely the step back was because Saints were going so direct and Curtis Mayne was bullying Cochrane a bit and they were looking for flick-ons, like their first goal against Dundee the week before. Go direct, flick-on, try and get in behind the Hearts line. The Hearts line sat much deeper, so it allowed Halkett to, mainly Halkett, but you know all the defenders to have a, a good a good position to win the long balls over the top without that danger maybe being caught out with a little flick on and suddenly St Mirren are through one-on-one. Um, it, we just seem very comfortable at the moment managing the game like that, managing the different the different bits of the game where you, you're you're under pressure, you've maybe got the onus to, to go forward and then you've got a bit more pressure so you have to step back. I, I, I've been quite impressed with us so far this season in that regard. The amount of times we spoke last season about why can't we start games quickly? Why can't we come out the blocks quicker? It seemed to be like we were repeating ourselves every week. Mm-hmm. But there's something we mentioned over the summer, and I think it's important to, to reiterate that. Last season was just get the job done and get out of there. It was like going shopping with a with a partner and, and not wanting <laughs> to be there. It's just like you want to spend as little time as possible in there and, and get out of there. Uh, teams came, sat behind. You wanted to start quickly, but there was no space. We were unable to break them down. Last season's done. This season, okay, well, what didn't we do well last season that we're going to need to do better this season? One of them is start well. I think we've started both Celtic and St Mirren very well. I think Robbie's substitutions have been excellent. This for me, I'm going to give you a golf analogy here. Okay. And uh, the, The golf analogy is when you pick up a, say, a birdie or an eagle, but say a birdie on a, a tough hole that most people are are parring. So it's one of the toughest holes on the course. So you, you basically talk about you're picking one up against one one up against the field, or you're picking one up over the field because most people are getting a par there. So you can go and get a birdie. So you've kind of picked up a shot when most others aren't doing that. So men in a way to me is a bit like that. They will do all right at home. You mentioned their team is. It, we, we had the debate last week, would we take a point, would we not? I said yes initially and then wasn't happy with my answer and changed it and said no, I think we should we should aim higher than that. So, so I don't know, like the, the, the tougher hole on the golf course, not the toughest hole, 
but one of the tougher holes where not everybody does well there. And I think that, so for me, Hearts have picked, a, picked up a shot over the field and not everybody's going to go there and, and get all three points first time around. So I think we're, we're doing all right so far. Not getting carried away, even though we did at the start, but that was just in jest. Um, if you'd offered us where we are right now at the start of the season, no one's turning that down. No, you're right. And, and again, similar to Celtic, albeit against a, a lesser club, um, so to speak, it wasn't vintage football. Hearts weren't at their best. On another day, it could easily have gone the other way. But you, you touched on a really important thing again there, Robbie's substitution, which again does tie into the sort of game management. You know, St Mirren started the second half the much better side. They had a lot more of the ball. We were getting pushed deep, and I know I mentioned a lot of it was to, to, to defend and combat the fact they were going direct, I think, to take a little bit of a step back. But you did start getting the feeling 10, 15, 20 minutes into the second half that it was building to St Mirren to be able to create a chance that they might score from, because they hadn't really tested Craig Gordon yet. And again, similar to Celtic, when we got paid back at 1-1 and it looked like the game was only going to go one way from there, Robbie made a change. 64 minutes, Josh Ginelli, who, by his own admission, hadn't been on it, it happens, um, he came off and Nongdwie came on. And this is where I think, we, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, he, we don't know how well Armand is going to do. You know, Boyce is our best striker, we know that. He's got so much to his game, but what Nongdwie has is a whole different dimension to his game, something we don't have anywhere else in the team. He's big, he's strong, he's a nuisance. And I think what really helped here was Boyce dropped deeper into that more number 10 role. Nongdwie took a, a, a kind of number 9 role up and he managed to hold things up and just give Hearts a bit of an outball, something to occupy St Mirren at the back. And you saw, what, seven minutes after he came on, he holds the ball up back to goal. He does really well because he loses his footing and he manages to keep Hearts in possession. It works its way to Boyce, who's obviously dropped behind the defence there. Suddenly he's got loads of space at the edge of the box. Keeper, for me, makes a bit of a meal of this. I think he should save this shot from Boyce. But, you know, it's the cliche. You don't shoot, you don't score. It's a decent strike. And suddenly like that, from being not under pressure, as in we looked like we were going to concede, but we were... Second best at that point, the wind was in St Mirren's sail. Suddenly it looks like, oh, we're comfortable now at 2-0. And I think you've got to credit Robbie Nielsen again for, for kind of rejigging things. I think part of the game plan, to get players used to the game plan that he wants to play, is don't worry if we don't have the ball. It's part of the plan mm-hmm. in certain games. And different managers do different things. Robbie and Lee and Gordon and Stephen Naismith have clearly worked on a shape that doesn't revolve around getting the ball back as quick as possible. It's not like a Gagan press where you've lost it. We need to. We want to control this game. They feel that the players they have at Hearts um, are comfortable without possession because they're organised. They know what to do and they know where to go so that the opposition doesn't have space. It's not. A, it's not a tactic that would work in in, in all the games. There's We've, we've played two matches so far. Celtic, we knew we'd have more of the ball than us. I don't know what the stats were from the from the St Mirren game, but they're at home. That's going back to what I was saying earlier about teams last season weren't going to come out, come into Tynecastle. We still so, had more possession, apparently, than him. Just, just okay. ma- narrowly uh, more possession, and I think we had... Uh, it was very similar shots-wise, but I think we had one more shot than them. Yeah, I mean, I listen... Uh, 
I'm good friends with with Stuart Lovell, and, and he phoned me after the game, and he he'd done the interview um, with uh, with Jim Goodwin, and um, he said he was he was he was pretty honest. He's one of the more honest guys. He, he kind of he's not. Oh, I didn't see it. If it's a penalty, it goes in favour of his team and or has a go. Um, and I, I just he, he was saying that he, he was. He was impressed by Hearts in the first half. He didn't think Michael Smith had the best game, but Stuart doesn't watch Hearts that often. I explained to him he had a really good kind of pre-season and, and, and League Cup. Um, he wasn't sure about the boy Cochrane, as he called him. Um, but that, that's not his position. Yeah. And he, 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 he said they're, they're strong in midfield. What he liked, and it's something we've talked about, and I, we had, the, we had the, was it Craig, who was the Dundee fan on last season? We had we had a supporter from another fan on our podcast last season. It was oh, Gary, sorry, yeah, Gary, Gary, sorry, Gary sorry. on. My, my apologies. Gary was on last season. I think it's important at times that you can see or get the opinion about your team, not from a Yahoo on another support um, or, or a supporter from another team, but from from a sensible one. And, and Gary was. Well, they are. There's a lot of Yahoos out there. Sensible. Bunch of Yahoos. Well, they are. A lot of them are. I mean, you, social media can be a poisonous place. Anyway, Gary was able to kind of, okay, well, I like that about Hearts, but I think you can get at them, and certainly, I think it's important that you see how the way we're perceived by sensible others. And that's why I thought it was interesting from, from Lovell's perspective to talk to him. I said, what do you make of him or whatever? Look, we know that Josh Gennelli didn't, didn't have his best game, but he still starts um, against Celtic f- for me. But the player, he, he said, the boy, Benny Beningamy. I said, I like how he always gets forward because I think it's 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 interesting for me to listen to an ex-pro talk about another pro right now when they play the same position. Stuart was a midfielder, mm-hmm. so Stuart liked to get forward. He goes, I love how he's he's always looking for a forward pass. I kind of said to him that was a bit of an issue for us last season, and that we we just kept the ball for keeping the ball's sake. It was moved sideways. There weren't many options at times because teams were content just to sit back, and we had possession for possession's sake. So it was interesting to hear him talking about Beningamy, how he likes to see him, or he watched him and enjoyed him playing it forward. Um, I mean, with Halliday and and Haring, it's it's not the most mobile of of pairs, and and Michael Smith, that's kind of three of the four, but you do have the legs of Beningamy. I think my prediction last week was Gary McKay-Steven to be kind of involved. He, He wasn't as involved as I thought he would be, I think you were the prediction king last week, you know? I was furious, yeah, because well, my prediction last week was Hearts will win 2-0 and Liam Boyce will score. So I'm thinking with five minutes to go, I'm, I'm, I'm coasting to my prediction being spot on. But, yep, five minutes to go. Joe Shognessy heads a goal back um, for St Mirren. Poor marking in the box, good work from McGrath and then Tanzer with the cross into the box. And this is where it got <laughs> slightly amusing because you've done a lot of off-tube commentary. And um, for those that don't know the terminology, basically means commentating on matches from a studio on a screen, which I've done a bit of from last season and into this season in the studio in Glasgow. And we will do it for most away games this season, I think. So Rob Borthwick and I have got a screen in front of us. We're talking about the submitting goal. It's a replay on screen. We're expecting it to cut back into the game about to restart with kickoff. It cuts back and the shot we cut back to is the referee looking like he's about to put his cards away. Then it cuts to someone who's just just walked off the pitch. 
and Nightmare. we have absolutely no idea what's happened. Yep. We, just, we just both yep. looked at each yep. other yep. going, ah, I'm not, not sure what's happened here. Um, and be- it's tough. There's <laughs> very little you can do. And if you've got what, what we call a clean feed, which doesn't come with graphics, um, and you're getting the feed from site, pictures from site, but it doesn't come with like a score bug. And for whatever reason, they've missed a goal. I've heard horror stories of commentators thinking of scores. It happened to Jerry McNee in an old firm game many years ago. But this that he was at the game. That's what made it even worse. But commentators <laughs> that commentate off tube and aren't there and get pictures, you're at the mercy of the match director. So whether it's it's your audio, because um, you you were asking me about did it sound as though it was being done in a in a booth that wasn't at the game, and it did. So it, that's all part of where we are right now with with the pandemic and everything like that. But we are at the the mercy of a match director, and if. If they uh, decide to, to show a replay or whatever and they miss something, it happens all the time, especially in pre-season friendlies and, and games that don't have experienced match directors. And you come back and you're like, what do we say? What do we do? What's the score? What have we missed? But I mean, I mean, to be fair as well, it's not something you expect to happen within seconds of kickoff. It, you know, it's, it is a bit of... Um, a rarity this because we, we and and promise you probably saw from the replay that we that we had in Hearts TV we only got the wide angle of it as well there was no there was yeah, no close yeah. up um, and it is it's absolutely mental when you see it that you know St Mirren have got five minutes plus a lot you knew at that point there'd been a few stoppages so you knew they probably had ten minutes at that point and everyone knew it ten minutes to get a goal they'd have the momentum eleven v eleven. Yeah, it wasn't like I thought Hearts would definitely throw it away, but I was like, you've seen it so many times before. A team gets a goal back, they're buoyed, and it ends up being just, you know, kitchen sink, attack after attack, last period of the game. It's just utterly bizarre. You can see what, I mean, Haring's doing what Hearts apparently do for a lot of the time from kickoff, which Rob pointed out, that they'll play the ball back and one of the midfielders will drop in to block the striker who tries to close him down just to give his teammates a bit more time. And you can see he steps in his way. All Christian Dennis has to do is run around him. And he just, it's just, I've never seen anything so crazy. He just throws his elbow out and it doesn't look like there's much contact. But these days, it's all about intent. Whether there's any contact, it doesn't matter. And suddenly, and I think Jim Jim Goodwin had a little go at him after the game, or at least said, you know, you can't do, you can't defend things like that. It's definitely a red card. I'm paraphrasing, but he certainly backed the decision. And suddenly, it's ten against eleven, and not that the advantage or is completely gone, but it certainly takes the wind out your sails a bit. Just, just seemed like such a bizarre thing to do. His reaction straight afterwards (laughs) didn't even wait for the red card. He knew. Well, see, like if he'd argued point. a bit, I might have realised because he would have still been on the pitch debating it because he went <laughs> straight off. By the time we came back, he was already off the field. Uh-huh. So what do you do? And I, he was just daft. And I, I don't know an extra man. I'm, I mean, I say an extra man should help. <laughs> Rangers, Malmo, uh, didn't help yeah. them. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, look, in an ideal world, you don't want to play with a man down. So we'll never know. I thought, wasn't the case of hanging on at the end? And they had a fair bit of possession, but... We seem to be a team that's pretty comfortable when the opponents have possession because we seem to know what 
we want to do. That's mm-hmm. kind of heartening. And I, I think a lot of that is to do with the trust aspect of the central area at the back. Craig Gordon behind Suter and Halkett and either Cochrane or Kingsley. That's that's not bad, is it? I think there's a lot of teams in the league that, that would uh, that wouldn't say no to either one or a few of those. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've got a very solid core. I think there'll be a concern about depth in a, quite a few areas, but I know the club are looking to address that, and we've already brought in a new midfielder, albeit some visa um, issues still to iron out. But Hearts, of course, did hold out. That makes it six wins from six this season. Eight out of eight overall competitively, if you include the two wins at the end of last season. Um, we won eight out of eight at the start of last season. If you include uh, the Hibs Scottish Cup semi-final, which was obviously meant to be the season before, that was ended by a loss to Dunfermline. So we didn't go nine wins in a row last campaign. We managed eight in 2018 um, because we drew a Betfred Cup. It was a Betfred Cup at that point. We drew a group game with Wraith, although we won in penalties. That counts as a draw. So the last time we won nine competitive games in a row was in 2015 in the Championship under Robbie Nielsen. Um, so he'll be looking to equal that this Sunday, which we will get to shortly. Um, I was thinking of a silly homework question, actually, but am I allowed to give homework? Or are you still saying it's the summer holidays, so we can't do homework? No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm permitting it, because last week I didn't want to give it on the hoof. <laughs> We've had a week to think about it, so what have well, you got? So... St Mirren Park. I just called it St Mirren Park because the names annoy me. It was the simple digital arena, which it apparently still is, kind of, which they've been sponsored since 2018. But in November last year, it was renamed the SMISA Stadium, the S-M-I-S-A Stadium, in reference to the St Mirren Independent Supporters Association. Some gesture to the last season before the club becomes majority fan-owned. Yada, yada, yada. Tancastle. We, we we don't want it to be called something different, but for fun, you're getting a sponsorship for Tynecastle. Who? Why? I'm going to call it something that is pretty close to me where I am right now. I'm going to call it the Field of Dreams okay. at Tynecastle Park. Okay. But, I mean, who's, who's sponsoring that? I mean, is that just... Field of Dreams. It doesn't, it doesn't have to have a sponsor. I mean, I was going to try and think if someone could think of a <clears throat> a company and a catchy name that could tie in with Hearts or be, you know. I haven't got, I haven't, I haven't got a suggestion myself, but I'm just thinking something. <laughs> you don't, something is better than the Smisa Stadium. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I I don't know what the value is. Going away from your well, from your homework question for us for a second. I'm not sure what the value is unless you're the first company to get it, like the Emirates Stadium. It's never been anything else. They moved yeah. from Highbury to the Emirates yeah. Stadium. It's like the, when, when something has a, a connection. It was a tennis Scottish Cup for so long. It was the Skull Cup, the League Cup for, for a long time. It was then it was the William Hill Scottish Cup for a long time. It takes a while to kind of to, to rebrand something. But if you're the first then you're pretty much known as, okay, that's the way it's going to be. Once you start changing it, Almond Vale became whatever then became Tony Macaroni and it just started to become a bit of a laughing stock as well. 
I don't know what value is played. Still, on I maintain should be the the Tony Macarena. Can't believe they missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what value comes when you're third or fourth in the door. You're you're analysing this too much. I don't want it to. I'm not. I don't want Hearts to change Tank Castle. It's more for fun. If you, if if you. No, I know. I know. I, 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 I don't think there's much value in either. I just thought you know. It's a tough homework question. I don't think it's your best one. Normally you're the Gorgie you Fish Bar Arena. I mean, you're not gonna. It's not even funny. Well, yeah. Gorg... Why, why don't we call it the Gorgie Farm? <laughs> That's <laughs> good. Why... Wait, where, where, where are we going to go with this? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, <laughs> well. I'm I don't sure know. That, I'm, sure that, I'm sure there are people out there that are far more witty than, than I am that can actually make something of this. But the best I've got is the Field of Dreams at Tynecastle Park. Anything has to be Tynecastle Park, not Tynecastle Stadium. We're done with that. It should never have been changed in the first place. But Gorgie Farm. You can have your Gorgie Fish Bar. <laughs> Just like, look, look. But, so what about something to do with the smell? Did I, I think I, did I not get told off for calling it a brewery because it's a distillery, or is it the other way around? Um, the smell. No, I think it is, was historically the distillery, wasn't it? Yes, I think so. I think I called it a brewery and I got told off for doing that. Um, can we have some some a little nod in the in the title of the stadium name to to the scent? Potentially, yeah, potentially, so that, 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 it's that something you know. Maybe there's a tagline that goes with it, so it's to do with the the slogan. You know, I don't know. Anyway, just an idea. If you want to get in touch, podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or tweet at around the funnel. If not, it it falls flat on its face. It wouldn't be the first what, time. What do the hips fans call it? Apart from the pink bus shelter, they not got names for it because we've got like Fester Road and things like that for for other stadiums. So do what are some of the other names it gets called from other fans of other clubs? Uh, Swinecastle? There you go. Yeah, that was one of them. Yeah. Stuff <laughs> like that. I don't want it to be called that, but <laughs> if they can come up with names for our place, surely we can as well. But keep it, keep them Swank nice. There's some it's, kind of it's, quite, it's quite clever. Some Swankastle. pork company will take. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Let's move this on. Um, okay, so we will talk about Celtic shortly. Um, in terms of other news around Hearts at the moment, um, Hearts were linked to Italian defender Dario Del Fabro, who was previously on loan at Kilmarnock, still on the books of Juventus. But uh, Joel Sked wrote just today, that's on Wednesday, that at the moment Hearts are not apparently looking to approach Juventus for this player. Whether there was an interest or not is unclear, but apparently he's not on the radar to be signed just now. Um, by the time we should listen to, that's probably completely changed, but that's the, the state of play at the moment. Um, the other bit of news, which is more um, more pivotal, more interesting, I think, certainly at this point, is that finally um, Edinburgh Council, uh, City of Edinburgh Council, have agreed that Hearts and Hibs, of course, can return to capacity crowds with an asterisk. Uh, Hearts revealed on Monday that there was positive discussions with the City of Edinburgh Council over the days prior to that, and it had been unanimously agreed that Tynecastle Park can be, going forward, opened to its capacity, which means all season ticket holders can return, and uh, there will apparently be a general sale for the Aberdeen match next week, because the Aberdeen game is the next match due at Tynecastle. The asterisk does mean that, as per the latest 
joint response group update. There needs to be a red zone maintained at Tyne Castle, which means a few supporters. I think it's lower R, lower Q and lower D have to be relocated. I think they're getting relocated to the Roseburn. So it's still out space for home and away substitutes. And I think in lower D, it's um, to allow space because the proximity of those sections to the tunnel. So there's a little bit of um, little bit of work around it, but the main thing, Mark, is we will get a near full Tank Castle, or we can have a near full Tank Castle for our next home game, which will be, I think, it'll be fantastic. It'll be emotional as well. You sent me the. I think it was you that sent me the screenshot from Hearts saying that and immediately forwarded it on to mum and dad. They were buzzing. They, they can't wait to, to get back to Tynecastle. They were there for the Sunderland game. That's the only one they were able or were successful. Okay. The Sun, they said the Sunderland one, I think, was first come, first serve. So they didn't. They were never successful in any of the ballots. So they've waited a while. They, they, they can't wait. And I, I, think, I think it's good as well that there's the anticipatory kind of nature of, of getting back to the football which isn't pissed on from a great height by a shite start to the season. I think we've got both things. We've gone back to the football and, and Hearts have won both games. I, I love that. Rather than... <sighs> my mum said, my, your father will find something to moan about within the first 60 seconds. Don't you worry. I said, Wait, we're, we're, we're gonna, everybody, that's, that's what we do. We're Hearts fans. It's, you might moan about the fact that it's a Sunday in the end, which it could be if, if Aberdeen progress in their Europa Conference League. But. Which I hope, I, hope, I hope they do. I hope all Scottish teams well. Well, to a degree. We'd be nice no, for it to be a Saturday. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was talking about the Scottish clubs doing well. Um, Saturday would be nice. I mean, I did, what did I do? I did Palace Watford last weekend. Again, a Thursday night call with a schedule. Here's your game. I'm like, well, surely it can't be on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Okay, it's Saturday at 3 o'clock. I'm like, you are kidding me. Palace against Watford. <laughs> Um, so again, I downloaded Sports Scene on uh, on the, the iPad or to watch on the way over to, to Iowa. So I saw as much as I could during the, the Samaritan Hearts actual game. But when you're commentating another one, you've kind of got to pay attention to that one. But Palace Watford was the first Saturday game with fans at Selhurst Park since the two teams had met, um, I think, March 2020. So... Everyone's kind of slowly getting back. And I watched a bit of the Rangers game coming home from, from the ballpark yesterday, back to the hotel. And look, the result isn't ideal from a Scottish perspective, but more to the point, how, how much better is it for football stadiums or stadia to have a full house back there? It, regardless of where it is, it just looks better. But for those Rangers better. players... <laughs> And Steven Gerrard's comment is, yeah, it can make a huge difference if we get full house inside Emerald. But just in general, having a full house, um, I, the, the, the restrictions was there not one of the teams, was it Livingston or something, were still denied a full house um, because of West Lothian Council or something. Surely there should be uniformity. Unless you can provide a, a real reason, it's like a real COVID hotspot or, or whatever, Surely we're now at the stage whereby if you're going to let some teams do it, then let all teams do it, please, or give them the option of doing that without that asterisk you mentioned. Yeah, you, you would feel it would be the best way to do it, but it'll be great having fans back, and um, I think it means it's going to be 
an even bigger occasion than, than what it was anyway. And I think the good thing, Mark, is, I mean, yeah, we say famous last words, you know, we could get a really bad defeat on Sunday. But because of the way we've started, it's not a free hit Sunday. But I think I know what you mean. most will accept, to an extent, you know, they're not going to lose their shit, for want of a better phrase. <laughs> what? <laughs> if if we lose to Celtic on Sunday at Celtic Park, which is obviously, re- regardless of what's happened with our last game against Celtic or the problems we've had, that is still the likely scenario on yeah. Sunday. Of course. We all want to do well there. We've, we've won a couple of League Cup ties there within the last 600 years. It certainly seems like that. Um, a free hit is a good way to put it. It's it's not ideal. We are where we are, but we didn't. No, we've got no one to blame but ourselves. We knew what we had to do. We knew how many goals we had to score um, to get a seeded spot, and we didn't get it. The last time we were unseeded, we won. So it's just a shitty record we have in that in that competition. And I'd be I'd be more optimistic if Celtic hadn't have taken Dundee's pants down and spanked their arses last weekend. We said they're good middle to front. And I'd be intrigued to see if these tactics differ from the first game of the season. I'm not sure they will too much. I think it'll be a 5-2-3 most of the time. Um, I'm, I'm not confident, but I'm, I wouldn't mind being surprised. Well, that takes us on to Celtic, which we've already started talking about. But we'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, so, Hearts travel to Celtic Park. On Sunday in the Premier Sports Cup second round. And yes, as Mark highlighted, we don't have the best records at that ground. We've lost nine in a row there since 2015 when Robbie Nielsen's hearts first time around drew a match nil-nil. But we haven't won there in 19 matches since 2009. But... Our last two victories at that stadium against Celtic were both in the League Cup. A Michael Stewart penalty in 2009 in the quarter-final and two years prior at the same stage, an Andres Velicka double. Um, this is a ground I've not had an awful lot of joy at. I actually worked this out after the last time I went there. The last time I went there was the last time Hearts went there and we lost 5-0. Um Mark, I've been to Celtic Park to watch Hearts play Celtic 15 times. We haven't won on any of those 15 occasions. We've drawn two, we've lost 13, we've scored seven goals, and we've conceded 42. The good news is I will not be at Celtic Park on Sunday. I will be in the studio um, just down the road. But it's not been a happy hunting ground for Hearts, or for me. (laughs) No. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad you're not going there. Going away from home to Ibrox or Celtic Park, I'll repeat what I said a, a couple of weeks ago. There have been a lot of Hearts teams in the past that have been beaten before they've come off the bus. They're just a lack of belief. I, I think the team talk should be a simple one, should it not? I mean, you, you, you faced them two weeks ago and you beat them. Go and do it again. Here's the team, here's the setup. I, I, what I'm interested in. And this this is this is where I don't know the answer to. If they hadn't have been so, um, I, I don't know if I can use the word impressive because I didn't see the game, I didn't see the goals, I just saw the scoreline when they beat Dundee 
6-0. I don't know if they were clinical or whatever. So I don't know if it's a case of momentum. He's not going to... He needs results right now. He's under pressure with the start of the season that Ange Postacoglu has had at Celtic. That appeased a lot of them. A lot of fans and a few Celtic fans, friends of mine were like, that's more like it. That's, that's what we're expecting to see. That's what we were used to seeing. So I think whereas maybe previously they might have made a few changes because it was a League Cup tie, I think with, with kind of games coming up in, in Europe and, and the likes, I th- I think they might make one or two changes, but I still think it'll be a strong Celtic lineup, um, which we'll be facing. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think he can afford to take anything too lightly. And from what I heard, and and I did watch the goals back, they they did, as you mentioned before, they took Dundee's pants down. Dundee didn't get a shot on target. Um, I think Celtic had more than thirty attempts during the game. They had seventy-four percent possession. Not that possession matters, given they had about the same possession against us. Um, but Furahashi certainly looks like he'll be a potential threat. Um, so he only came on late on at Tynecastle. The game already had kind of gone into a flow that Hearts were fairly maybe comfortable in. So it's one of these games where you have that maybe slight worry that we've pissed them off a bit a couple of weeks ago and they'll be out for vengeance, which I'm sure they will be, but that does not mean that we can't go there and do something similar again. So I'd expect to see a strong Celtic team um, and I'd expect to see a very similar Hearts team to what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Um, But it's going to be, I think, even if we go there and we get a result, it's going to be... A tough, a tough afternoon. You know, we're not going to go there and blow them away or dominate the ball. We're going to go there, and it's going to be similar to the game at Tynecastle, I'd imagine. We're going to try and um, defend, defend, you know, admirably, um, be organised, let Celtic have a lot of the ball because that's what they want to do, and maybe try and hit them on the break a little bit more. Try and use the pace in behind. It's a much larger pitch, so it'll be interesting, but. It does have that air of a slight free hit. I mean, obviously, if we come away with a 5-6-0 defeat, there are still going to be big questions, even though that's a scoreline, unfortunately, we've had there a few times recently. Um, But yeah, I think we just got to go... I I do hope we go there with confidence. I think, you know, like what you said before, I don't expect us to go there and take the game to them, so to speak, because that could be, you know, suicide against a, a Celtic team who will look to play um, with a decent tempo and try and get in behind us and they'll try and overload middle of the park final third like they did at Tynecastle so I think we have to be sensible but I hope like you say we go there with confidence and we don't we don't look like we're beaten from the off because we, we have seen that too many times as well What I've also seen commentating on Hearts many times at Celtic and Rangers is a lack of decent ball retention uh, whatever it is whether it's the circumstance the occasion the place that they're playing I think we've got enough players now who will be able to be composed enough and not be kind of oh we're playing the selfie part get the camera phones out you know what yeah. sometimes it's like we don't know I mean that was our big problem I thought in the home game. I know we won the game but my big issue was not the fact Celtic had so much possession but we let them get a lot of possession in the final third as well, and then when we got it back, we were very poor with that. I don't think we can. I don't think we'll get away with being 
poor on the ball this time. I think we'll need to no, make the most of the no. possession that we do get. They're going to score, right? So we know we have to score at least once to probably take it to extra time. Are we capable of doing that? Yes. Will we? Well, I, I don't know. We've got players that are good enough to do it. Um, it's all about mentality. When, when you go to these places, I mean, you, you can feel what they used to be, but this the, the Celtic aren't what they used to be. Does one 6-0 win over Dundee change the, the fact that they conceded six at home to West Ham? They knocked out the Champions League against Michelin. They lost against Tynecastle. They conceded two against Jablonec, which could easily have been more. They got beat by Tynecastle as well. What's that? They got beat by Tynecastle as well. Don't be a dick. Um, <laughs> they could have scored double what they did against um, Jablonec. So they're going to score. I think that that's likely and... We just we have to be we have to be the best that we can be with the little that we're going to have, and we're going to need a little bit of luck. I'd give us a I'd give us a fifteen percent chance of success, no more than that. Yeah, I mean um, that's probably about it. Do you want to do you want to make a prediction for it? I think we'll lose three one. You know, I was going to say that I was actually going to say three one defeat, and I, and I say that. Hoping that, of course, hoping that I'm I'm very wrong. A three-one defeat and maybe Nong Duye to get his to get his first of the season. But we're six to one. But again, then we were six. We're to only one. six to one. Yeah, we were six to one for the home game initially, weren't we? So. Oh, I'd, I'd want I'd want double that. Oh yeah, I mean I'm not saying back it, but I'm saying those are the odds. Anyway, well, weird. Hmm. Well, let's 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 hope it's not three one to Celtic. Let's hope we're both very wrong, and we will of course talk about it next week. Okay, before we go, uh, do you want a quick Hearts at Celtic Park quiz? A wee five questioner? Aye. Okay, okay, just a quickie. Um, so, <laughs> five questions, and as we've done previously, I will go through each question. Don't shout out the answer, Mark. We will allow, allow those at home to, to take part, and I'll go back through the five questions afterwards and give you the answers. So, these are all Hearts at Celtic Park themed questions okay question one in 1992 scott crab and john miller scored for hearts in a 2-1 win at celtic park yes who scored the consolation goal for celtic with four minutes to go so 1992 hearts won 2-1 scott crab and john miller were the goals they put hearts 2-0 up um somebody scored for celtic with four minutes to go to get a goal back who Uh was it Question two. In April 94, Hearts came back from 2-0 behind to draw 2-2 at Celtic Park. John Cahoon pulled one back before someone else scored with two minutes to go to get Hearts a point. So Cahoon scored in 94 to make it 2-1 to Celtic at that time, but someone equalised for Hearts with two minutes to go. So who scored the equaliser in 94? One year later, 
you'll remember this one. April 95, Hearts won 1-0 through a late David Hagen goal. Oh, yes. At Celtic Park. Who... No, it wasn't at Celtic Park. It was at Hamden. Oh, sorry, it was at Hamden. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you did, you just looked at the away. I'll continue with the question anyway. This game wasn't at Celtic Park, but it was away to Celtic. Who <laughs> <laughs> was... I messed that one up. Who was captain for Hearts that day? Okay. So, 1-0 win on at Celtic Park at Hamden. Well <laughs> spotted. Um, David Hagen winner, but who was captain for Hearts that day? February 2000, this is question four. In February 2000, Jim Jeffries Hearts won 3-2 at Celtic Park, having been 2-0 oh, yeah. down. Two future Hearts players played for Celtic that day. Oh, I thought you were going to say who scored twice for Hearts. No, I, I thought it'd be too easy. Um, who were the two Celtic players who played that day who would go on to play for Hearts? So, 3-2 Hearts at Celtic Park. Uh, this one was at Celtic Park in February 2000. Um, but who were the two players who played for Celtic that day who would later play for Hearts? Okay. Final question, question five. Uh, 2007, Andres Velichka scored a double in the last 13 minutes. This is a League Cup game at Celtic Park, having come off the bench. Who did he replace? Oh, goodness. <laughs> 2007, Velichka on, and he scores a double to send Hearts through in that quarter-final game. But who came off for Andres Velichka? So you might have, to have, might have to have a guess at that one. Right. Answers. Question one, 1992, Scott Crabb, John Miller, put Hearts 2-0 up at Celtic Park. Four minutes to go, somebody pulls a goal back. Who was it? I remember a clip that I watched. I know the answer was John Collins, but only because I watched a clip of the game with the goals. Uh, probably Amoruso lets it run pretty recently. Mm, I, if I hadn't watched it... If I hadn't watched the clip, I doubt I would have got John Collins. But I, I did, and it is. It is John Collins, future Hibs manager, and later Celtic assistant as well as a, a player, who was actually quite good banter before the Celtic game at Tynecastle, just along from us. Even had a little laugh about getting um, getting made to look a bit silly about once referring to Hearts as a pub team. Um, but yeah, we won't go into John Collins any more than that. But he was the man who pulled a goal back, so well done. Correct. Question one. April 1994, Hearts came back from 2-0 behind to draw 2-2 at Celtic Park. So they were 2-0 behind. John Cahoon scored one. Which player for Hearts levelled with two minutes to go? It was Stephen Frail, because we were debating whether or not we should leave. Because you, you never know with these places... But I think that we were, it was a bus day, so I think we obviously stayed because the bus ain't leaving until everyone goes. Um, but I remember Stephen Frail equalising, uh, and they're not they're they're not being that big a crowd. No, I think. Top of my head, I think I saw, but but Celtic Park didn't have big crowds back then. They were always fifteen no. twenty thousand, weren't they at most? Well, you think you think. Uh, let me go into the 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 game just now. Um, Carl, yeah, it was a Carl Muggleton, Lee Martin, Tom Boyd, Mark McNally, Gary Gillespie, uh, Charlie Nicholas, Rudy Vata, McStay, Donnelly, Faulkner, and Collins. Mikey Galloway had gone there as well. It wasn't a successful period. The Rangers had the some really good players at that time and were doing well. 
was yeah. a crowd. Less than 19,000, wow, at Celtic Park. Yeah, it was. There was a lot of games we played back there. There weren't even 20,000 at some of these games. No, nope, you're right. Park. It was Stephen Frail, though, who levelled uh, correct answer. Third appearance for Hearts. That was his first Hearts was goal. Was it? Yeah, um, he went on to be a coach, obviously a caretaker boss at Hearts, and then later coached in a couple of different roles at Celtic as well. And now he's a coach, at, or he's assistant at East Fife, I think. Okay, I think that's right. I've not double checked that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Anyway, question three: April '95, a year after this, Hearts won one nil, not at Celtic Park, at Hampden Park. <laughs> David Hagen scored. Who was captain for Hearts that day? Craig Levine. Correct. In his 395th appearance, Craig Levine Oof. was captain. He'd only make six more appearances for Hearts competitively. Really? After that, yeah. Um, and I was interested, I didn't dig into this enough, but this was what, a year after the Hogg incident. It was yep. the year before, wasn't it, the Hogg incident? Because he was captain then, but did he not get stripped of it after the. I think, I think he did. So then, did they just have it rotating? I, I, don't this, know. This was don't more know. just me inquiring because I didn't. It's not the easiest thing to look up without kind of asking around. So I just. Yeah, well, they, they were both transfer listed, were they not? I can't remember. I know Hogg was, but did we do it with Levine? I know. We, I think did he not just get stripped to the? Maybe I don't. I, I don't know. It was before I, my I, time, so without looking things up, I wouldn't know that off the top of my head. I just remember being up the other end of the game at Starks Park on a midweek night and. Wondering what the hell they're confused because, you know, it's like they're walking off the pitch. You're not paying any attention to players walking off the pitch. Once the halftime whistle goes, you just want to either go and get a pie or talk to your pals or whatever. And then there's this kind of, oof, what's going on up there? And then, obviously, later on, when the truth comes out, you're like, oh, goodness. Yeah, it's a bit, yeah, a bit of a crazy one. Anyway, we'll move on to question four. February 2000, Jim Jeffries' hearts won 3-2 at Celtic Park, having been 2-0 yes. down. Who were the two Celtic players that day, two players that played for Celtic that day, who would later play for Hearts? I, I can only get one. I can only think of Stefan Mahe is one. I don't know who the second one is. Stefan Mahe is correct. He played okay. 90 minutes at left back and would move to Hearts the following year. The second player came off the bench age 19 and would move to Hearts in 2005. Give me a position. Well, I'll give you a big clue. In April 2005, he scored as Hearts 1-2-0 at Celtic Park. Oh, Mark Burchill. Yes, Mark Burchill. He came off the bench that day in 2000 um, when he was still a teenager and obviously went okay. to Hearts five years later and scored in a successful game. He and Lee Miller scored in 2005 when Hearts won 2-0 at Celtic Park. Okay, final question. Um... You might have to have a guess at this one. Velichka scores a double off the bench in 2007 in the League Cup quarterfinal. Who did he replace? No idea. He's He's been mentioned in the podcast very recently. Callum Elliott? Yes. Mousehole? Yes. <laughs> 60th. You know, Mousehole AFC now follow scarves around the funnel on Twitter. <laughs> but we're not, it's not the, how, how are they properly pronounced? Oh, like Mousel. Mousel, that's it. But, um, I, can't, I just like calling them mouse. The French mouse. But no, they, they follow us on Twitter now. We follow each other because I follow them back, of course. Um, Any good stuff on their Twitter account? Um, Do they post pictures of, like cheese, a weekly cheese? Odds stacked against Mousehole as they suffer first defeat of the season. That was the latest post. That was just today. They got they lost 3-0 uh, 
Um, again, Tavistock. Yeah. We need Callum to go back. So um, yeah, Mousel AFC, our favourite Cornish a, team. That's a that's a tough loss against Tavistock. You, you would expect Mousel to to be better than that. You would think so. I mean, it's a big loss in the Tool Station Western League Premier. Um, huge. Anyway, Callum Elliott made his 60th appearance at Celtic Park. He was 20 back then. Came off in the 74th minute. Three minutes later, Andreas Valichka scored. Uh, we'll be back next week to discuss Celtic against Hearts and, and anything else that comes up. If you want to get in touch about, I don't know, stadium names for Tynecastle or anything else, if you've got something actually decent to contribute, which we've not this week maybe, then yeah, fire us a tweet at Around the Funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Until then, on the hearts. Sing a song for the hustlers trading at the bus stop. Single mothers waiting on a jet to come. Young teachers, student doctors, sons on the front line, knowing they don't get to run. This goes up to the underdog. Keep on keeping it what you love. You'll find that someday soon enough you will the kitchen talking to the driver about his wife and his children on a run from a country where they put you in prison